Welcome everyone to the Replenish Me radio show on Radio Actually and YouTube. Um, and I'm Cordelia Gaffar, your host today. I help women to get from the chaos of wanting to be healthy to the calm of actually doing it. Um, the purpose of my show is to give you strategies. A lot of times we don't even realize that our spouses and partners are also struggling with the things that we are. So I am honored to have a guest today who wants to share his story about um, becoming a new father. And, uh, you know, I, I talk a lot about my postpartum depression, but let's open the doors and talk about what happens to your spouse. So welcome to the show, Darren. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you opening up about this because this is really something that men don't talk about. Um, I know my husband, he didn't even really know what was going on. I had to bring it to him. But um, just why don't we start with that? Tell me your story. So um, my, my wife and I got married, wonderful. And at the time we weren't majorly talking about kids. And then at some point, uh, like a foghorn started going off in her head. And she was just like, Put a baby in me and I was like well I didn't see this coming naively so I we spent I spent six months starting to filter in like the good kids because when you don't have kids all you hear are the, are the bad kids in restaurants and running around so I focused in like the cute father-daughter moments and things and thought um, and father-son moments and thought well okay let, let's let's have a child this will be okay um, and the pregnancy was was fine um, the labor was actually fine there was no real complications still one of the most terrifying things i've ever witnessed but on the scheme of things it, it was okay um and my daughter was born and from that moment on i think things went downhill i i felt like i was in a massive bubble um like a colorless bubble i i could see my my wife and her parents and my daughter having a wonderful time and being all excited and i just couldn't quite connect to it i um i really felt like it had been propaganda that every father who said, oh, being a father is amazing, it's going to change your life. I genuinely thought they were lying. I thought that they had messed up their lives to such an extent, the only happiness they could get is by drawing other people into their hell. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, my opinions now change, <laughs> but back then I was, I was out of it. I, um, I threw myself into, into my work and, and just kept distanced. Um, I'd say stupid things, I would say that, I, when my daughter grows up, I don't want her to call me dad. I want her to call me Darren, which like, now I think about that, I just think that's insane. Um, and I was just very, yeah, not what I didn't, you know, I didn't want to kill myself. I just wanted to like flip the board, the game, the game of life and start over. I just wanted it to all change. Um, and but thankfully I had you know, good people around me. Um, someone at work spotted that I wasn't talking quite as if you would expect a new father to talk. And then um, suggested I go to the doctors. But because, you know, I, I'm a media lecturer, so I, I study how the media impacts us. And I, I'm a martial artist as well, so I study uh, managing my emotions. Um, usually it's kind of fear and frustration and things. So I, I'm quite content. Um, I, I accept that as men, we have a lot of negative emotions in us and we're terrible at admitting it and dealing with it. So I was like, okay, I'm happy to go to the doctors. And the doctor said, yep, uh, I'm going to diagnose you. You've got um, uh, postnatal depression and you've got some trauma from witnessing the birth. And what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I am man. I am strong. I will, uh, I'll deal with this on my own. Thank you, doctor. Don't you worry. I don't need your antidepressants. I'll, um, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll crack this on my own. Because I was just delighted that I wasn't a bad, bad or a bad person. And I was like, I'm ill. Okay, I can deal with this. So um, she was born in January. I think I was diagnosed in February. Uh, I then set about pretty much destroying my life until November, um, not getting it in check in any way. And then went all in to try and get it under control in November. And then thankfully, she'll be two in January. And I think um, the January of this year, I really started to get it under in check. And it's been amazing since. <laughs> wow, that's quite a journey. So, you know, the one thing I agree with you there is that I didn't take antidepressants myself. So I think, yeah, doctors, they always want to give us a Band-Aid, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did end up going on them, um, but I don't know if they helped. It's, um, but it was at the point where I needed to do, I needed to give a signal to my family that I was willing to do everything. Um, and they had been um, 
uh, Jimmy Tune. So I just thought, okay. But I did a lot of other things as well. I, I, I dramatically changed my diet. I went on something called a ketogenic or ketogenic, right which means, uh, yeah, no sugar, uh, loads of fat, um, and um, very limited carbs. And after two weeks of that, uh, you, your mood tends to elevate and you feel really great and lots of energy. Um, um, but also, it also means, I'm not sure how true this is. This is the first time I've said this, but I wonder if there's elements of like an eating disorder mixed in with going on an extreme diet because mm. it's a control thing and I could control my diet or I can control, you know, a five month old. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it certainly made me feel better and I, you know, I, and I felt healthy. I, I came off it in the end, but that certainly helped. I, I went on a course for neurolinguistic programming and that really helped. Um, that helped mainly get my ego in check. Mm. So then when I, I went, I remember day one, just from the first day, it was an eight day course. I went home to my wife and, uh, and just started to talk to her. It sounds so lame. I just started to listen to what my wife was saying. <laughs> and amazingly, that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So communication is key. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and, and bit by bit, it, I, uh, I got it under control. That's amazing. So basically you would say, you tried so many things, but you, you think you've nailed it down to just the neuro-linguistic programming, definitely, because you, you realized you had an ego issue. Yeah. That helped you to better communicate with your wife. Yeah. Um, you're not too sure about the food bit, but I'm sure that food had a large part in it, right? Absolutely. Because I started to feel good. I, I think a lot of things happened at the same time. I kicked into keto, uh, ketosis, I think it's called, in about two weeks and I felt amazing on that day that was the same day that I first started taking antidepressants but antidepressants take you know weeks if not months to kick in it's not day one and I went on that course like the day after so all these things happened at the same time um but neuro-linguistic programming this idea that um and then there's philosophers that say this kind of thing and catching Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean says the same thing it's not the problem it's your opinion of the problem and if you can manage how you perceive the world, then you can, you, you can, be the, you can control your own happiness because um, nothing external can impact you. And I found it incredibly helpful in, in so many different ways, even down to um, like mindfulness. So, um, which I also started to make more sense in martial arts as well. But if I'm rocking my daughter to sleep at three in the morning, you can start to panic and be like, okay, uh, how much sleep am I going to get? Um, if she can go to sleep in half an hour, how much sleep can I get then? And how tired will I be at work? And um, I've got that meeting. Is my boss going to yell at me if I oversleep? And, and or is there something wrong with her? Do I, when do I go to the hospital? And all this stuff just makes you tense and stops you being a father at that point. So then you relax. And all that other stuff is in the future. It doesn't matter. So I relax my body. I slow down my breathing. I focus on the fact I'm holding my daughter I relax, she relaxes. When she relaxes, she falls asleep. <laughs> Amazing how that works. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. So uh, yeah, New linguistic program. There's lots more uh, kind of elements to it that I, I draw on, but um, definitely the, another good, real good hack that I learned is just choosing your language. And literally the word choose is so much more important. It's not like, oh my God, I have to get up because my daughter's crying. It's I'm choose to get up because my daughter's crying. Because you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to work. You don't, I don't have to stay. This is another big thing we, we had. I think we had, um, my wife and I had, I think about four divorce talks. Um, <laughs> yep, I know that. And, um, and, we, and what really helped is we mapped out the separation. And then we got to the point where it's like, okay, we are choosing to stay together and see if we can deal with this. We are not here because we're trapped. We're not here because we don't know how uh, our separate lives would be. We're not together just because we don't know how we would live separately. We planned it out. And actually it was kind of a, quite a cool life, um, but it was separate. Um, so yeah, we chose to stay together. And if you choose to do things, it's, it's an empowering word because words are like spells, they're magic. If you say choose, you, you stand tall and you're strong. And if it's like, oh, I have to, yeah. it's just, the even that, just I have to. You don't have burden, to do anything. Right? Like we both go down when we say that, yeah. Exactly, exactly right. I want to pull this piece out that you were just talking about how um, 
this is really important and I, I should have brought this out in another interview that I'm thinking about now, but anyway, I'm gonna stay present. <laughs> so when you are going through these um, really dramatic periods where you as an individual in the marriage, right? Yeah. Just can't deal and you feel like you need to be separate. Mm. It is a very good communication tool that you're coming up with there where you guys actually mapped out what would your lives look like? And I didn't really think about this before, but um, when me and my, my husband had, you know, the same kind of issue when he was going through this, that's kind of what we did. We like talked for two hours of what that would look like. Yeah, <laughs> and then we're like, okay, we choose to keep working at this and we're going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, it is what it is. I wouldn't say it's great, right? But it's work. Yeah. And we tried, this was, more so when I was coming out of it, we then started to think about vision boards because it's like, well, okay, if we're choosing to be in this, where is this going to be in one year, two year, 10 years? And so we started to imagine, very similar to the house we moved into, and we started to imagine jobs that we're going to have and the types of things we're going to do with our daughter because we want to make sure we're heading in the same direction. Yes. Um, but the conversations are not good. You know, it's, you know, I think my wife said, um, if I met you now, I don't think I'd fall in love with you. It's like, oh! That's an emotion. There's an emotional response in my heart. Um, yeah. But you can't let that then allow you to respond emotionally. Like the, the appropriate response to that is not anger or hate or frustration. Yeah. It's a legitimate statement and a legitimate feeling that she had. Well, really, um, the whole conversation, Darren, right, is more of a strategy session, right? Just like you yeah. would with a business partner, because mm -hmm. that's what marriage is, right? At the end of the game, we all have this uh, dreamy thing that we're fed in the media that it's all roses and, you know, uh, what's skipping into the sunset. But at the yeah. end of the day, it's 90% a strategic partnership. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, uh, I quite like seeing it as um, bad guy stuff, but I, I quite like seeing it as like a military battle because then I, I feel like a warrior, a soldier. And so, and there's a great book, and it's called Commando Dad that I got. And it talks about taking like the nappy bins out is bomb disposal. And I was like, I'll be in charge of bomb disposal. No problem there. That's fine. And, and I'll like secure the perimeter. I'll check the house is locked up at night. And anything that made me feel like a well, I mean, it sounds lame talking about it, but it, it got me through. And Whatever works. There's this great moment I had with my daughter where um, we, we were, she was holding my hand and she let me out into like the hallway and it was all dark. And she paused and looked into the dark and clearly did not like it. So she runs back into the living room and she rummages around in her toys and there's lots of different colored balls and she finds a purple ball and she kind of does this little nod. She must've been like, I don't know, 18 months or something. And then she grabs my hand and we run into the dark together. And I remember thinking, what is that purple ball to you? It's clearly like got some magical power that it's just giving you all this confidence. And I learned from that. Like I then started doing the same thing. Like. Um, you can get anchoring techniques, like any hero in a movie, armors up, you know, Batman puts his suit on. So I wear like, um, like just this leather cuff, it's an anxiety anchor for me. Makes me feel a little bit stronger, um, reminds me to be strong. Um, and I, I learned that from my daughter. You can't, you're allowed to be silly if it gets you through the day. <laughs> absolutely, live and actually, I, I find that children are like the best teachers, I mean. Yeah. They humble us, they empower us, right? Yeah, absolutely. They make us better people. So yes. I, I appreciate that. So now how did you, like, how did your experience come full circle into what you're doing now? It is what you do for your business, right? Yeah, I started um, um, to start with, I realized because I'd worked in education for, I think, 10 years and I'd seen mental health issues rise with my own students over the years. So whether it's, you know, self-harm, suicide, anxiety, depression, um, uh, eating disorders. And I realized I'd developed all the, learned all these tools that my students could really do with. So I started just doing, you know, in classes, I'd be doing little workshops, whether it's communication workshops or, or anything, and just drip feeding things in. Um, I then wrote a book called Level Up Your Teens, which um, I mean, it can help anyone, but I wanted to help teenagers because that's who I work with. And they're on the cusp of greatness, you know, they're going to go into this amazing world and they can achieve anything, uh, but it's all self-limiting beliefs and being made to feel bad because annoyingly, there is money in their unhappiness and there's money in our unhappiness. We buy things to be happy. We buy 
um, silly you know, technology or uh, expensive clothes to make us feel happy, whereas we get to control what's in our, in our minds. So I thought I was going to be a life coach. Lots of people were saying, oh, you should, you should be a life coach and you should be a motivational speaker. And I was like, okay, that's okay. But um, because I, I, I teach media and uh, there's a link, I, I suppose, with fully engaging in the real world and the, and the real modern world is online, like video communication and social media. And I remember holding my daughter and thinking, hmm, I haven't brought her into this world to work 40 or 50 hours a week doing the job that she hates. Hmm, how can we, which means no parent brought their child into the world to do that. So how can we best deal with that? And the biggest thing is to get people to engage with social media, and things like personal branding more, because you then can, you can identify your goals and values. You can work out what your passion is, what your love is, and then you can start to put it out there um, maybe in the background to start with until you get to a point where you can monetize and then you monetize it so you can help more people because your mission is in line with your goals and values. So it ended up turning into a consultancy role um, because I've been running kind of social media workshops anyway. Um, but there's a big element of coaching because the thing stopping us from winning at life is usually may not be you know, diagnosable anxiety, but definitely anxiety. Uh, it may not be diagnosable depression, but there's elements of it and it's self-limiting beliefs. And if we can get over those, we can engage with like, the modern world fully. And if you can engage with it now, you can achieve anything. Like, I, I, like, whether it's your ideal client or ideal partner, if your ideal client or partner is one in a million, that means there's seven and a half million on the planet because there's like seven and a half billion people. Right. That's more than enough but you need to think globally. And because you know, I'm trying to train my students to live in the world, the world is changing. Like they're gonna be working in 2040. I've got no clue what 2040 is. I don't know what jobs are gonna be available then. Likewise with my daughter, how am I preparing her? If she's like coming up to two now, she's gonna be alive in like 2060, 2070. I don't know how I could do that other than uh, help her and encourage others to engage with modern technology, invest in themselves and be able to pivot really quickly in their career because you're probably going to change careers a lot. And we certainly don't want to be in a job where we're um, unhappy and in a job where we can be made redundant in a heartbeat because it's cost effective for business. I know that was kind of a long answer, wasn't it? I bounced around different things. But, no, um, I like it. You, you, you made me think about a lot of different things. I'm trying to pull out what, like, what is the top thing. So I will just say, you know, as a mother with teenagers, right? We're, <laughs> um, we're, we're like right there. In fact, my yeah. seven year old, she's just made a world changing decision to join the Navy. Nice. Not quite what I was expecting. Cause yeah. So, but that's her decision and I'm, I'm really proud yeah. of her. And, um, but even in that, what they're looking for are women in STEM. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so um, you're right. And I think to myself, I was trying to protect her for a long time from social media and technology yeah. because, right, we're yeah. thinking we don't want them out there. But she's like, Mom, you raised me well. I know how to make the right decisions. And, you know, this is the look at my digital profile. Exactly. And social media is a tool. It's, and, and the problem is, is that media is seen as a soft subject. So it's not really taught in school early enough at all. Whereas it should be taught in primary school and saying that you're going to go into a meet. The media is like, we're goldfish swimming in water, but we're humans swimming in media. You know, at age six, it should be like, this is an image. This is a fake image. This is manipulated. This, you cannot compare your own body with this image because that's crazy. Um, but we don't, we don't do that. Um, and teenagers, have, uh, you know, digital natives have grown up in a world where they don't really trust the government because there's so many conspiracy theories out there. They don't trust the media because the media has its own agenda. They don't know what to believe or what to do. So they're just stumbling their way through. And it's, it's tough. And it's tough as parents to stay up to date with technology. Because it seems strange. I have conversations with my students' um, parents and they don't understand that they can just make money gaming. I mean, they need to be strategic about it. They can't just go online and, and play games and money will come flowing in. But they could, that's a viable business now. Yes. Um, and it, even if it's only for four years, five years, and then they pivot onto something else, and then they pivot onto something else. And this idea that we you know, go to school, go to uni, get a job, and that's it for the next 50 years, that's yeah. not there. And it shouldn't be there. Yeah. That, that would be a, a 
boring life. And it's outdated life. And, you know, yeah. that's why I chose to homeschool, you know, which I think has helped her. <laughs> I'm pleased you say that because I've, the, when, I, when I'm anxious, when I have the anxiety, I have almost panic attacks about having arguments with my daughter's head teacher in like, uh, with her principal in like 12 years. And I keep zone, uh, pulling in data where it says, because I, uh, the education systems in the West are, are broken. And if we look at the education systems that are on the, the top of the league table, usually kind of like a place like Finland and Iceland, they have hardly any uh, school time. I think it's 20 hours or 15 hours a week, like three hours, four hours a day, including lunchtime. Um, some of them are, are getting rid of subjects. So instead of doing maths, it's like, oh, we're going to go in the garden today. Um, we're going to just plant, you know, flowers. But they're learning how to measure out you know, water and peat. They're learning about the uh, biology and science and um, all the, and la uh, language and probably Latin names. Learning all this stuff, but they don't know they're learning it, and they're just having fun, mm -hmm. and they don't set homework. And yet, in our cultures, we set tons of homework to the point that it's given our children mental health issues we we emphasize exams to the point that they are sometimes getting suicidal they're crying when they get exam results and it's just an exam result yeah. so in my mind I, the, the second my daughter has a, a bad experience and i see her mental health uh, failing or even her happiness being dented i want to be in a position where i can pull her out and homeschool and i'm educating myself about the homeschooling world and so um i think it's a definite it's definitely good to have that in your in your kind of tool box. Yeah, yeah, it's a great it's a great backup tool. I um, did not go into parenting thinking thinking that I would homeschool. I, like you said, I mean the first bad experience my now seventeen year old had when she was like four. Yeah, I was like they were trying to tell me that she was autistic, mm. right? But that yeah. wasn't the case. So anyway. I'm noticing behind you, you have lots of books. Yes, yes. So um, do you use that with your students, right? We talk a lot about technology and where to find like the real sources of information. Do you encourage them to actually read books ever? Absolutely, because for the first time probably ever, they can reach out and talk to the author in a heartbeat. They, they can just tweet them on Twitter or send them a Facebook message and they can talk to it. And this stuns me. And I'm like, your favorite authors are right there. And we, I really encourage them to watch um, uh, TED Talks. You know what those are? The TED.com talks. It's oh, just yeah. like thought leaders um, just talking about how to fix the world, usually around you know, entertainment, technology, design, I think it is. And most people who do a TED Talk uh, will have a book. So it's a way of moving towards that. And I think a lot of the time, uh, reading is just good for your men mental health. It just is. And I read more when I was fighting depression than ever before, and I continue to do that. And I think there's some great books where it, it was almost a mixture. I've read a couple of books that really enabled me to manage my mental health, like stunning books. There's one called The Chimp Paradox, which is about how your, your brain, um, you can kind of categorize it. So there's the computer, the human, and the monkey. And the monkey's just... Uh, I struggle, very badly behaved. The monkey is the thing that wants um, like attention and uh, a tribe and friends and food and water and sleep. And if it doesn't get it, it gets, it affects your mood. And it's really strong at night as well, which is why you can be awakened at two in the morning because the monkey's running things. And then you wake up, the human comes online and you're saying, what were we worried about? But I feel that now. So when I, when I feel my mental health failing, I'm immediately, I think, right, I need to sort out the monkey. So what does he need? Let's get some food into me. Let's get some water. Let's do some exercise. So that was a good book. There's another book by uh, Matt Haig called Reasons to Stay Alive. Um, that's very short. It's, some chapters are just you know, bullet points. And it talks about his depression and anxiety. And I just found that just inspirational, just um, in terms of not feeling alone. Uh, that felt amazing. And it's been other since. Um, like Ryan Holiday's the obstacle, the obstacle is the way, just about leaning into stress um, and uh, not being put off. But yeah, so the answer to the question is, I absolutely uh, recommend them to read books. I've got tons of them um, that I guess are on my recommended reading list. Doesn't always work though, but I definitely recommend that they read. And they say, they, I think there's a myth that teenagers don't read, but they, they really do. 
um, and they get very, very passionate about the, the authors that they, they do read. Um, and then they can, they can reach out to them. Yeah, I, I was taking some notes. I was I was trying to capture all the books you mentioned. I, I just, mm. I hear, you know, that's funny because I never heard of the chimp paradox. Yes. And I hear people all the time talk about monkey brain and I'm like, what's yeah. that about? So, okay, I'm going to have to find that book. Yeah, it's by like a professor and he's trained, I think, I think it's like Olympic athletes and, and really high level sports people. And uh, it, it's fascinating. There's more to it. But he also talks about core beliefs, like the monkey and the human refer to the computer about you know, how things should be. So I, my wife had this, has this thing that um, life should be fair. It's one of her core programs that life should be fair. So whenever life isn't fair, either if she's thinking with the monkey part or the human part, both are getting annoyed because it's like, life should be fair, there are rules. Um, and I guess I had that same ideal, but I, I reprogrammed myself a little bit to, um, by looking at things that I should be grateful for. And I realized that life is not fair, and actually, it's massively unfair in my favor. And I've got nothing to complain about. Um, so, so now when things uh, you know, go wrong, or I think it's unfair, it, it doesn't bother me. It's, um, I've, I've got enough, uh, enough things going for me to, to not worry. Yes, that's something to think about. And that's, that's a very key point to understand since you're raising a, a daughter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's also that quest of making the world a better place because, um, yeah, I, I, I can worry. And, but, you know, it's one of the reasons I, I talk so openly about my experience because the, the things that have caused me the most pain in life are things that I think I, I would have been better prepared for. So with our first child, we actually had a miscarriage pretty early on. I don't forget, I think we'd quite hit three months, very early on. <sighs> we weren't prepared for that we assumed you have miscarriages if you kind of drink or smoke during pregnancy we thought that happened to other people and we you know we we were planning christmas with a with a child and we had names i know right way too early to be doing that but i didn't know um and that hurt that really hurt and still hurts um and once we started talking about it people would say oh i, I had two miscarriages and oh yeah we had miscarriage and they'd say well a heads up would have been nice like um so yeah. and same with postnatal depression. I, I didn't know that was a thing. So I, I just share anything I can to try and create, it's kind of leading by example, I suppose, but try and get other people to share their wounds. And it's, it is heroic to share your wounds. And, and you know, I, I'm obsessed with film. Obviously, I teach film. But all heroes have a flaw, a weakness. So Indiana Jones is afraid of snakes. Uh, Chief Brody in Jaws is afraid of uh, water. Um, uh, there's in the first Die Hard, John McClane is crying in a toilet, picking glass out of his feet. Because they have fears and show their vulnerability, we love them more as heroes. As soon as you get a hero that's invulnerable, like Superman's not a very interesting character because it's like, well, you're basically invincible. Batman is much more popular because he's much more complex. He's got s serious Orphan, yeah. issues <laughs> as well. Um, and once you, you know, share your weaknesses, I think life's easier to deal with. It's, a, it's about, one of the things I have to deal with with the teenagers I teach is, is, are they wearing masks? So are they wearing a mask for their parents? Are they wearing a different mask for their friends, a different mask at work? And we try and blend in, because I think as humans we're programmed to be kind of tribal and to fit in. And that, that means you're always giving up a bit of yourself. Hmm. Whereas if you, if you work out who you are, um, and I really recommend tons of personality tests. I did lots to work out who I was. What I, what I think is important to me, what my goals and values are, then I can get rid of the mask and say, well, this is just me. And I know people have unfriended me on Facebook or they unfollow me because it's like, oh, that's down going on about that again. So yeah, this is, this is actually just me now. Like, like this conversation I'm having, I, I would have you know, with my parents or I will go into um, school, into college next week and no doubt say the same stuff. It's... This is what I talk about now. Um, and it's much more empowering because it incrementally makes the world a little bit of a better place. And if we all do it together, maybe we can create change with the corporations and the governments. Yes, I, I like how you're saying to really connect on a human level and, you know, really see the humanity in each other because that's what draws us to each other, right? Um, Absolutely. And if you, if, if I... You know, if I say to someone, oh, you know, I had depression or anxiety, and they have a negative comment about that, that makes them a rather mean, ignorant person. That's nothing to do with me. And it's, it's part of a little bit of NLP. Like, uh, 
um, there, I think there's a Stoic philosopher who said um, that somebody stole his lantern and he's like, you know, well, that hasn't harmed me in any way. I still have my compassion and my kindness and everything, my integrity, but that person has become a thief and I feel sorry for them. And I think the same way or try to think the same way that if you share your vulnerability and somebody you know, takes advantage of it or mocks you, that's all on them. That's nothing to do with you. It's, uh, um, and if you think about your best friends, the people you're most connected to, that happened because you shared more with them and they know all your lows. Um, and and like, my, like I said, my brother's a woman and he was the best man at my wedding. And when I asked him, I was like, I understand that I won't be your best man. I understand it will be a war marine. And he was like, yeah, you know, I, I love you, bro, but I was like, I get it. Like, they've seen each other at their worst when they're the most scared, when they've had breakdowns. Like, that seeing each other's vulnerability allows people to fall in love with you and, and to care for you. Um, and it's the most beautiful thing about this experience is kind of life. And yet we put up all these shields and, and try and hide, and we shouldn't be. Absolutely not. I love that. So, um, wow, so many jokes here today. You know, I want, I want you to, to say this thing. We talked a little bit before, right? Sure. So, you know, there are two things, um, and you've mentioned it, that people don't talk about. They don't talk about the miscarriages and they don't talk about the postnatal depression for the father and for the mother. Yeah. But what is it that you truly think that if men were having babies, what would happen? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I'm so stunned by what my wife went through. And, and you know, I, you know, my ego got involved, like you know, this isn't about me and I don't know what to do. But it, you know, if the patriarchy was still in place or it's still, you know, as it is now, and men were the ones who got pregnant, oh, we would have, we would have like fairs, we'd have, we'd have trophies, we'd have medals, uh, it would be, 24 7 news we, we we would have so much time off we would have uh we would have anything that we wanted it would it would be insane we could the men we cannot we could not deal with pregnancy and giving birth and i find it interesting because you know teach martial arts and military family again i might have mentioned but you know sometimes you come across these very like growy men men and they are oh, i'm gonna fight in a cage so i can prove my manhood i'm gonna climb this mountain to prove my manhood it's like dude do anything you like. You're not even going to come close to what a woman achieves when they carry a baby and give birth to that baby. It's you just don't compete. And our birth was was fine. Like I've since been made aware of you know, that a cesarean is like major surgery, and that's terrifying to me. Yeah. Uh, and the things that can go wrong, or if you have twins, yeah. uh, even going home like with a child and having a two-year-old already there. Like, how do you cope? I, I don't understand. Like, if we didn't have two-on-one zoning, our daughter would have just crushed us by now. Like, we needed to tag team her. If you've got more than one, I, yeah, I don't even understand how you would deal with that. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, basically, I want my trophy. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here straight from a father's mouth. <laughs> so, and and uh, the level of, um, this is more for my wife, but her compassion and caring insane it, and how quickly she forgot the pain uh, of 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 um labor it just went and uh, like a few months later she was oh do you think we'll have another another i was like no do you do you remember what we went through <laughs> and she was like no no but look at what we got i was like ah oh, that, 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 yeah uh, well, I was in a horror movie. I don't know what movie you were in. You were clearly in a kind of like <laughs> romantic comedy where you got a nice Christmas present or something. But yeah, that, that was not a nice experience for me. <laughs> and we won the jackpot. You know, we, we, were, we were lucky. It was, the, the pregnancy went well. The labor went well. Um, Evie's wonderful. She's healthy. Um, uh, I, I don't know how we would have coped if there'd been a complication. Or I still to this day don't understand I think regularly, I don't understand how single parents do this. I just don't understand it. Um, yeah. I, like I'm, I'm building up my fatherhood experience, my skills. Um, like I've got a day to myself. I think tomorrow I am doing a whole day and night on my own, which happens occasionally. But this is a big quest. Like this is, I'm bracing myself for this because there's been times when I'm on my own and she won't sleep. And I just feel like crying. And I just think, <laughs> and like, if you know someone who's a single parent, you don't need to go in and be like, oh, I'll babysit for like four hours. You can just go around and say, you don't need to talk to me. 
I'm just going to go do the washing up for you. <laughs> that's it. That's all I'm going to do. And then I'm going to go. Like, that would be amazing. To, I mean, that would be amazing with us. And there's, there's two of us. But uh, little things like that. Or, or even just, okay, I'm going to hold your son or daughter for 10 minutes just so you can go to the toilet. Like, it's yeah. little things like that. If, like, friends and family, people who have a newborn, the smallest things make such a big impact. And, and yeah, they big props to single parents because if, if we didn't have, uh, we've got, you know, my wife and I together and we've got an extended family, we've got her parents who are very, uh, really very close nearby. It's, uh, yeah, I, I'm getting to the point where I'm almost going to start offering to help. I, I, I'm not quite there yet because it's weird because I'm kind of a tall guy. But if I see somebody like in a, in a shop or in a cafe and they've got a newborn and I can, I can see their, even small things like they've got to their table. Like if I can go up and be like, hey, I'm down, um, you know, I'm a new father myself. Do you want to sit here? I'll go order the food for you and bring it back because you've got your hands full. Like little things like that. I haven't tried it yet. I don't know how well that would go down, but um, I'm more likely to do it if my wife's there or my daughter's there. But I'd like to be the type of person who does it. Yes, that's massive. I've muted myself because my three-year-old is uh, doing her thing right now. <laughs> so, um, but it looks like one of my teenagers got her. So nice. <laughs> that's handy. That that, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember being on the other end, and I'm listening to you, and it's true. I mean, like when I'm in the grocery store, I, I mentioned this yesterday, I think, in a live that. Um, if I see a woman and she has her brand new baby and even if she has three items and I've got like a full cart and three kids with me, I'm like, look, please go in front of me. Yeah. Cause I've been there, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, you just never know baby's crying. And you know, it makes me so angry when I see people like, Can she yeah. I'm like, you have no, the baby, that's the baby's communicating. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And she's like already trying to work out other stuff, right? Because you're in the grocery store and, you know, whatever's yeah. on. Did I get everything on the list, you know? And, and then, my wife would get self-conscious. So she's like, yeah, you know, it went away. But she's, this is going to sound bad, but she's been out of the house in what she would class as a state. She would never have before let anyone witness. <laughs> like, you know, going out and like maybe haven't showered for a couple of days, like, baby vomit all over her um, you know it's 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 a quest it's a big quest just to get out of the house and to then find people kind of rolling their eyes or feeling bad because somebody doesn't like your child crying yeah we need we need it, it's almost a cultural change we just need to um, um, treat it just, maybe this is too far but treat women as though they 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 have returned from conflict from a war because yeah. they have I think Spartan warriors um, I think if the men lost their shield um, in battle, they, they wouldn't get a grave or something like that. They, they wouldn't um, get a tombstone. But women would get a tombstone if they died, died in childbirth. And I was like, or yeah, something like that. They, they, they were honored in some way. Um, and I thought that was a, a cool thing for them to do. They, they recognized it was the equivalent. You know, I think it's a bit higher than, but the equivalent of conflict, of war. Yeah, it's a lot. So I, I like, um... I like all these takeaways. I want to, um, I want to ask you, do you want to start a revolution? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've, um, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I think we're all trying to start our own. That's a beautiful thing about modern world. It's we're trying to start our own, aren't we? we we're, uh, I'm, I mean, I was always a feminist anyway. Now I've got a daughter that's just gone through the roof. Like uh, it's insane. But because feminism is great, feminism allows me to talk about my depression because they don't have to fit in this man box where I have to be strong all the time. Um, it allows me to, you know, cut back my work hours to be a stay-at-home dad like uh, two days a week on my own. Like feminism allows me to do that. It's not seen as anything bad and a revolution of you know fighting the patriarchy and fighting depression did you have something in particular in mind though <laughs> <laughs> you know, with just with your passion regarding yeah. your business yeah absolutely that would be that would be great and i i do that's a feedback like whenever i do consultancy if it's um you know getting somebody to set up a business or or find more clients the feedback was oh it gave us really good tips about social media and personal branding and leadership but 
he really coached me to get excited about living life and to step out of my comfort zone and to and to not be afraid and and they have this new energy about them and that's a really nice thing to be able to do but we've got to it just keeps coming back to it you've got to do your bit to make the world a better place and it comes down to love or hate are your are your decisions based on love or hate and if you put it down to that it also helps with politics and um i have issues with there's a lot of uh politics in the uk right now there's a lot of um i guess xenophobia and uh, nationalism and it, that stuns me because i think how can you look at like a, a refugee baby and be like oh they don't belong in this country it's like wait what I, i'm not i don't belong in this country just because my mother randomly gave birth to me it's the whole idea of countries I find weird or at some point somebody came along and drew a line and said okay for you to go from that side of the line to this side of the line you have to show me your papers that doesn't feel right and I just think if you if you can see past again the media training and see past you know color religion um, um, nationality it's just babies who have all grown up yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, that's who we are, yeah. it's just you've got to reach out and, and help but um, it's easier to hate it's easier to have anger it's easier to blame it's really intoxicating as well it's um it's harder to uh to be motivated by love and to take responsibility for your own actions it's harder to do that it, it, again like, like this movies with me through star wars it's like dark side light side you know i think yoda says a line about the dark side being um faster and more um contagious or something like that and that's what it is um yeah but Love is the answer. It is massive. Well, I want to real quickly um, ask you regarding your business. Do you have mm -hmm. any events coming up? At the moment, I'm, I've been subtly building it in the background. So my website's almost ready to go at downhorn.com. Um, I think in my mind, I've got a launch date for, um, for January. Um, okay. But I'm going to have to work it around my other two jobs. But I, it's... I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to start doing it. Um, in terms of projects, at the moment, I'm, I, I keep writing for a couple of sites. I'm writing for all down to my goals and values, which I love. So I write for a site called leadx.org, which tries to help millennials get 1% better each day, which, brilliant. We should always be growing. Um, occasionally write for The Mighty as a health and mental health advocate, and I write for The Good Men Project. Um, genuinely around mental health but also like life hacks and, and, um, and social media and personal branding. I've been asked to uh, write a chapter on, weirdly, on um, tips for dealing with teenagers for parents for uh, an anthology book, so I need to get that written. And then I just need to decide what my next thing is. It's probably going to be, I feel like I should, I should write a very quick book on you know, postnatal depression from my point of view. That's a very short one and just get it out there because I don't think that book exists. Um, Not for me. No, so I, I can I can do that. Maybe a book on social media anxiety. But then I, I think I'm going to do a video course. And um, one of my students said the nicest things when um, I, I was going to write the book, and then um, we'd had this whole session where I was, I, I was being motivatory and be like, "You can achieve anything any other human being has ever achieved. It's just your limiting beliefs that uh, stopped you. You can build a side hustle and turn your passion into uh, into a viable business." And she said. Um, Every college should have one of you in there. And I was like, "Ah, okay. Well, how can I get?" to these other colleges. So that's how I wrote the book. And now I think um, I've learned a lot through video courses. So I'd like to create a video course. And um, there's a big danger that we all fall into is we assume that everyone knows what we know and it's not the case. And it doesn't matter what it's about. Like, whether, whether, you know, my brother's in the military, so he thinks everyone has that same lifestyle. I'm like, you know, this is, what you do is unique and kind of weird and your stories are fascinating. Like, you're in what country? I don't even know what that is. Um, same with you know social media, same with managing your mind. We're not taught that. It's emotional intelligence. We're not taught that at school. And so then you think, well, what, what's your new voice? How, why do you need, you know, this book's already out on it. But it could, that's then comes down to branding, is that we all latch on to somebody that we have that connection with. And it's the same with mentors it's, and, and films even. Like, um, um, my wife loves the Harry Potter books and, and films, mainly the books. Like, it's good I corrected myself there. And so she'll quote Dumbledore at me. Apparently he's very wise. And if I just listened to Dumbledore more, I would have got through this quicker. <laughs> but you seek out the, like, the energy you like, you know, in, in terms of um, who's out there. So 
for a while I was listening to a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk, who's very high energy and, and, and stuff. So for a while I, I listened to Tony Robbins and you move around different energies. So your voice, even if you're saying the same thing other people are saying, you're saying it in a different frequency, yeah. you know, and you're going to connect to different people because of it. So add your voices to the, to the discussion. I love that. So, uh, yes, as you're starting to wrap it up for us, um, I, I don't even know, like, where <laughs> we begin on, like, what are three takeaways, just three takeaways. I feel like I'm robbing people by asking you for only three. You've got, like, so much. Sure. I, I can do, uh, yeah, because I've covered a few, but there's a, there's a nice, I, I can add something original that I haven't covered so okay. far in this. Um, it's playing, life is, to a certain extent, a game. Um, I, I think there's thought leaders like Elon Musk who are saying that there's a 33% chance this is a simulation. And, you know, maybe it is. You know, technology doubles every, every year. So there's two hacks that I, I find helpful. One is not everything has to be true all of the time. So sometimes when I'm feeling small, um, I imagine that all of this is a simulation and it only exists for my pleasure. And I'm the only person who exists in the world. And, and my ego is sometimes useful. So I feel very strong. Other times I, I need perspective. So I do the kind of Google Earth thing where I imagine just how tiny I am and the timeline of my life is insignificant. And I realize that actually, the universe is not out to get me. It's not planning, it's not waking up in the morning and planning to, to make my life harder. You know, there's not a guy getting in his car now planning to cut me up on, on the road later today. Nothing's planned like that. So, and, and then when I, you know, I spent quite a lot of time playing games, like um, role-playing games. So that's one. One is not everything has to be true and sometimes the world's all about you, sometimes it isn't. Another is talk to people. So when I play a game, a role-playing game, I'll go to a town and I'll talk to everybody in the town. They're, they're called non-player characters, just in case they give me new information or a quest. But I'll go to a party and I'll talk to the two same people. Like I haven't spoken to my neighbors yet, it's weird. Like there's so many other people I need to engage with because they, there's connections to be made. And it's the same with exploring. In a game, I'll explore all I can of the world to, because I want to get value out of it. You know, I've spent 40 pounds on it. I need to explore every single corner of it. So, well, I get one life. Why aren't I exploring more things? Why aren't I exploring uh, new areas on the planet? Why aren't I exploring new, new hobbies? Particularly if you haven't found your love yet, your passion, your like, thing that creates a flow state where you start it and then wake up four hours later. And, oh, where did time go? You should be tasting everything. You should, if you haven't tried ceramics, go do ceramics this weekend. If you haven't tried archery, go do archery. Go, if you haven't tried, like I'm quite looking forward to doing the science kits with my daughter because... Maybe that's a thing. Yeah. I, I, so, I, and I don't know if that's three now, but it's, um, it's certainly talk to more people, uh, taste more things, particularly if you haven't found your passion and not everything has to be true all the time. Okay, that's three. I think so, yeah. yeah I love that. You know, it's funny, the, the taste more things thing, because yeah. I was actually talking to someone recently and she was saying, I was telling her how I try and I go to all these different places to meet different types of people, even if, yes. you know, they may be xenophobic people, right? Yeah. And, and, and she's like, well, why would you do that? Is your business a hobby? And I'm like, no, this is why I do it, to get outside of my exactly. comfort zone. And so you, that, yeah. Like we, we had, when we had the elections in this country, it was, um, and they said, People would say, oh, I don't know how that's the outcome because all of my friends voted this way. It's like, yeah, your views distorted. And so on Facebook right now, you know, there are people who post things that I just absolutely disagree with. But I need to know those opinions are out there. Otherwise, my view of the world is distorted. And maybe, just maybe, they are following me. And maybe my posts can help educate or entertain or, or something. But you can't, you can't just close the doors and be like, that world doesn't exist. They're there. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, particularly recently, this last kind of six months, I, I've connected with people kind of all around the world and it's been a much nicer, healthier experience. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the great things with social media as well. Like, it, it, you can just, people have such weird perceptions of what other cultures are like. And it's just like, find someone on Twitter and ask them. You know, same with the news. You want to know what's going on in wherever? Find someone on Twitter and ask them. 
Yeah. There's people living there, they can tell you. <laughs> a lot of people living there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I thank you so much for your time today, Darren. It's a pleasure. I really, really enjoyed it. Clearly, we could talk for hours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, you know, right now, I, I really wanted to talk to you anyway, because I'm finally, it's taken me two years to really decide to publish my book on pregnancy, which covers all that stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. So. Um, and what's amazing with that is, I'm glad you're doing that, because if you genuinely feel as though your book can help just one person, it's in... I'm sure it will help more, but if it could help just one person, it's really selfish of you not to publish it. <laughs> I've been told that once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Got to get it out there. Yeah. And now you've inspired me to actually do that. Just press the button. <laughs> and there's no, there's no gatekeepers anymore. Like we're, we're not really taught things about at school about how to achieve things, but there's no one stopping you. It used to be you'd need publishers and that's not true anymore. And you know, actually you need to almost guarantee that you're going to sell a lot in order to get a publisher but you can you can self-publish with ease like everyone has a book in them and all you have to do is write it and then upload a word document to amazon and it will appear sure you can faff around a little bit and you can maybe get a book template and you can you know, get someone to design a cover you don't need to it could just be you know, white with a black title and a word document honestly if anyone's like listening and is making it more complicated than that it, you're wrong go write your book it's your perception of the world your voice is unique and it's worth it's worth it now and you'll feel nice it's a nice feeling publishing a book <laughs> gets you invited on podcasts and things <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much darren for being here today and um thank you listeners and viewers if you want to connect with darren i'll have all his contact details below this video and if you're listening to the podcast below the podcast and um yeah i'm on all i'm on all social media um yeah you can find me everywhere it's um, darren horn right with an e yes with an e yes <laughs> yeah they had fun with that when i was a kid <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> all right well have an amazing day and thank you so much you too thank you so much Break free from